For our meditation tonight, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua and chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14, and we might read from verse 7 to verse 12 in that chapter. This is Caleb, the son of Nun, speaking. The son of Jephuni, rather. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. We've read of that in Numbers this evening. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty-five years, ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day, fourscore and five years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. When I was with you in January, we were encouraging ourselves by looking at Joseph. And of course we all remember we said Joseph and his bones and the command that the Lord had the promise rather that they had given and the command that Joshua, that Joseph had laid upon the people that when they left Egypt they were to take his bones with them because they were going to leave the place I want tonight to come to another very similar kind of setting because here we have Caleb and what do we remember about Caleb but verse 12 Caleb and the mountain. There is a logic to what we read there in verses 7 through 12. The presentation, the logic that he presents before Moses. He had, he held on to a promise from the Lord. It had been given to him 45 years before. We read about that in Numbers chapter 13. When he got the promise, we can almost put ourselves in the same sandals as Caleb. His mind was tumbling round and round. What does this promise mean that this mountain is going to be mine? What is it that the Lord is saying? What have I got to do? The future was unknown for him. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know the challenges he was to face, the difficulties they were thrown at him. He didn't know any of that. All he was doing was simply 
standing, as sometimes we ourselves have to do, and strain to look ahead. A promise given to him, a promise given to us. What does it mean? What does it involve? Why me? Why now? We don't know what a day brings. We don't know what a month brings. We don't know what a week brings. We can be like Caleb, struggling to understand what the Lord is saying. We're all very familiar with the background to this man's life and to what we've read in Numbers and here in Joshua. The Lord had brought his people out of Egypt and he had indicated and he was taking them and was going to take them into the land of promise which he had promised to give them. They came to this place called Kadesh Barnea. From that place Moses singled out representatives from all the twelve tribes to go and spy out the land, to find out what it was like, what the problems were, what the opportunities were, and to bring back a report to the people, to the nation. When they did return, they brought back a very realistic picture of the provisions and the products of that land. It is indeed a land flowing with milk and honey. That's the lavish provision of this land but, but there's a problem. There are riches there, but there are also giants. Yes, but. And because of that kind of report, the people were intimidated by it. The people were discouraged. And it was only two that came with an altogether different emphasis. Yes, they said, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, just as the, the other spies had said, it's a land where there are giants. And they used the same formula as was used before. Yes, but. But God is with us when we go into this land. And we can overcome the land and we can possess it because God has promised us to give it to us. Yes, but with an altogether different focus and picture. Caleb, Joshua, their report did not prevail. The people were deterred. They refused to enter the land of promise. And there we find a remarkable intervention of God. He consigned this nation to wander in the wilderness for about 40 years. And can I use an illustration that we might all understand as to what the purpose of the Lord was? Heathrow Airport is a very, very busy airport. A plane comes in to land every 90 seconds. They're queuing up way back down the line to land every 90 seconds. Air traffic control has to keep it as tight as that. Now, what would happen if there's a problem? If something happened on the ground, 
if something happened in the air, they would have to suddenly have this huge queue of planes coming in. What are they going to do with it? What do they do? They begin to stack the planes in a series of levels all the way up. They put them into a holding pattern. And only when the problem has been solved and removed do they start taking them out of that holding pattern and that stack and bring them back into land. A holding pattern in place, stacking them until the problem is solved. That is what the Lord God was doing to these people and this nation. He was putting them into a holding pattern. He was stacking them. He put them into the wilderness for 40 years and they wandered round and round in that wilderness until those who rebelled, every single one of them, without exception, every single one of them was removed. And only when there was these but two spies left, Caleb and Joshua, only then did the Lord bring them back to go in to the land he had promised to them. Graves along the path of that wilderness journey was evidence of God's dealing with these people and their rebellion. So when the holding pattern had been stacked and all the rebellion had been removed, we come back then to going into the land of promise. And that's what takes us to chapter 14 of Joshua. Verse 5, and the Lord commanded Moses to divide the land. They had to divide the land to go in to possess it. And right at the very front of the queue, right at the very front of that great tribe, we're told in verse 6, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh said to him, Front and centre, the first man to speak, this man Caleb. We hear so much said at times today about the generation gap. There are those that are very young and there's those that are very old. A generation gap. There was a generation gap here in those people that were gathered because every one of them, remember, there was a generation that had been completely removed in the wilderness. And these were people that were just very young and there was a gap of 40 years before you got to Caleb and Joshua. They were old men. Caleb himself had waited a long, long time. He didn't know all the details of the promise. He didn't know what it held or what it would bring. But this he did know. Hebron might have been the hardest, the biggest, the most challenging land to occupy and to possess, where the giants were. Yes, but, 
But he also knew that God was more than equal to that challenge. Whatever was to come, he was going to face it with a reliance, a trust in the Lord his God. So I want us tonight, for our encouragement, simply to think, who is this man, Caleb? Five simple thoughts, aspects of his character, I want to leave with you to think of. First and foremost, let us notice the person the Lord uses. Who is he? Let's start with his name. The name Caleb, quite remarkably, means a dog. That's all he is, a dog. There's a downside to that, but there's also an upside. The downside is, well, a dog, that's derogatory, that's insulting. But we also know dogs can be very loyal and committed to their master. The roots of my family are along the coast in Port Gordon. My grandfather there, school teacher, and he had an Alsatian. And there was only once I've ever been in the house before he passed. But he had his own chair. And if you dared to sit in that chair, the Alsatian was below the chair and he would murmur and grumble and make it known quite clearly, get out. That was his master's chair. And nobody sat there but the master. That kind of loyalty and commitment in the name and the character of a dog is a quality that's singled out for us by the name Caleb. What kind of character is this then that we're looking at? We are told in different places. First of all, he followed the Lord. He followed the Lord fully. Different places. Pick it up again. Go back to number 13. Read it again in chapter 14 of Joshua. And you'll find the phrase comes to us time after time. We're told here, verse 8, verse 9, verse 14. What are we told? He followed, he wholly followed the Lord. Go to Numbers chapter 14, 24. He followed the Lord fully. This is what we're told about his character and his commitment to the Lord. Whatever way the Lord showed to him, whatever the Lord pointed out for him, Caleb went along that path. Caleb had a simple but powerful conviction this is the way of the Lord, and it must be followed. And he did that not just simply out of reluctance or duty or habit or culture or any of these other words. When Caleb followed the Lord, he did it out of profound and deep, sheer delight. It wasn't a mere duty to the man. He found it a profound, deep delight to follow what the Lord had indicated. First of all, this word, he wholly 
followed the Lord. That simply means he followed the Lord in everything the Lord had said. There was no division. There was no separation and says, well, I get excited about that. I can leave this. I'll take this up. I'll disregard that. No. He wholly followed the Lord in everything the Lord had said and commanded and given. Be it to go out to fight or to go out to spy or to bring back a report. It did not matter what the Lord required of him. He wholly followed the Lord in everything the Lord had stipulated. Because nothing else mattered. Nothing else was considered appropriate. He took what God had said. He wholly followed the Lord. But then there's this other word to describe his character. He followed the Lord fully. What's the difference between these two words? Well, to follow the Lord fully indicates the degree of commitment that he experienced and exhibited. He followed the Lord totally with everything that was in him. No other outside consideration mattered with him. Sometimes sometimes we think, well, am I going to lose out by doing this? Is this going to cost me anything? These questions didn't even enter into the thinking of Caleb. He followed the Lord with a full, full commitment. And so now, 45 years later, he's got no pension plan. People might well say to him, Caleb, look at the difference. You're an old man now. Why not just simply settle down, settle back, sit, behave as an old sage amongst the people? Others will do the work. They were expecting him to hold back and to be in reserve mode. But not Caleb. He was still strong. He was still trusting. He wholly followed in everything God said. And he followed God fully in his whole commitment of life to what God had said. Why? What is it we're told here? The third aspect of this man's character that I want us to draw attention to. We're told in Numbers chapter 24 and verse 14 and verse 24. Numbers 14 and 24, we're told that Caleb had another spirit. He was different from all the rest. He never wavered. For example, in the report the spies brought back, he never wavered in what he had to say. We're told here that it came out as it was. Verse 7, I brought him word again as it was in my heart. He brought out and he told people what he had in his heart. He didn't flannel it. He didn't cover it. He didn't try to present it in a way that would be attractive. He simply said to it, as it was. What you see is what you get from Caleb. He was in tight corners, just as we can be in tight corners. 
but we're called no matter what corner we're in. And we certainly can be different from others like he was different. And sometimes that might cause us to be isolated and to be lonely. And sometimes when we are alone, it needs real courage simply to keep speaking and to keep living the way we do. It never troubled Caleb. And it shouldn't trouble us. Just think for a moment. They were away for six weeks. Twelve spies. And they were like a band together collecting the evidence, the products of the land. There they were harvesting it. And for these six weeks they ate together. They walked. They journeyed. They did everything together as a band. And you can imagine the bond that would develop amongst them. And the way they would sit at night. And the same as we do ourselves. There you are, day's work done. You're sitting down having a meal. And you start talking about this, that and the other. And sharing details about each other's life. And you're talking. About, and so it would go on. And the bond would be bound tighter and tighter with the twelve of them. And yet, when push came to shove. When it came to putting the report to Moses, he stood out alone against all the others. When the choice involved the things of the Lord, it wasn't really a choice at all. He's the one that spoke up. It doesn't come out as strongly as it should, but in verse 8 of Joshua 14, Nevertheless, my brethren went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. Yes, we know that. But I, and the way in which it's written in the Hebrew, that emphasis is given to us. But I, I was different from them. I wholly followed the Lord my God. That's the kind of person we ought to be. The person the Lord uses, the person Caleb was. He wholly, he fully followed the Lord because he had a different spirit. So that's the first thing we have. The person the Lord uses. Quickly, the others will come. The second thing I want to mention, the promise the Lord gave him. If you go through the passage we've given in 7 through to 12 of Joshua 14, five times, five times Caleb says, as the Lord said, as the Lord said, as the Lord said. That's all that he had. A promise the Lord had given him. That's all he had to hold on to. But that was enough. He limited his requests. He limited his actions. He tailored the whole of his life from that moment onward simply and only in the way the Lord had spoken to him. Martin Luther, the person that was so involved in the Reformation on the doctrine of justification. Martin Luther, when he had presented his thesis, he said something that we can very clearly apply to Caleb. Here I stand. I can do no other. He dropped his anchor in the sea. He took a stance 
And he spoke out, trusting and relying on the promise the Lord had given him. Forty-five years before. And all of these intervening years he held on to it. He remembered it. Many's a time, many's a time he would have been tested in that 45 years. Can you imagine them wandering around the wilderness? And maybe one of these days, they came close to the border. Oh, we're going to go across today. The promise is going to be fulfilled today. They would have come close to the border only to swerve away. Can you imagine what Caleb would have felt at that moment when he saw the border and the promised land fading into the distance once again? All of these experiences, the age, the loneliness, the difficulties that were his and ours. But he held on to the promise the Lord had given him. His hopes were not smashed. His hopes were laid down gently by his God. God was, as it were, saying to Caleb, not yet. Not yet. What mattered to Caleb and the only thing that mattered was what the Lord said. That's enough for him. That's enough for us. There's something today I can use as an illustration again. Young ones today, what do they do? We have them, and she does it. They go through the cupboards in the kitchen, and they'll take out something, and they'll look at the tin. Best before, put in the bin. Best before, can't have it. Sell by, use by. That's what's so often determining and dominating the thinking of people today, young ones especially. Something that's got a shelf life on it. There is no shelf life attached to the promises of God. There is no best before date given to anything the Lord has said. Caleb had a promise. He waited and he kept waiting only because the Lord had said it. And one day, the Lord would do it. Perhaps we've got to promise something like that ourselves. Something the Lord has said to us. Given to us. Thumb through the diary to find out how many years back it is. But we've waited all these years. Holding on to what God has said and given us. Copy what Caleb did. Continue to wait on the perfection of God's way of answering that promise. The promise, yes, the person the Lord uses, the promise the Lord gave. Thirdly, the preservation the Lord ensured. What does it say in verse 10 of chapter 14? And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And now, and now, and now, look at all that's happened to us. 
Many's a tight corner. Many's a hard battle they've been through. Many's a time that Caleb was assured and aware of what his weaknesses were when he saw what was happening to the nation round about him. But in all of these twists, in all of these turns of life, there was this one vital factor. God's chosen vessel. The Lord has kept me alive. He is my chosen vessel. He is to do my will. He is to fulfill my purposes. He was kept alive for that purpose and to that end. Paul, he was a man who was through many a hard problem. Things that sometimes reduce us to utter amazement. Beaten up threatened, let down a basket to escape, or cast away in storms, all of these things coming upon him. But God had purpose for Paul to fulfill. When you go to Acts chapter 18, there you find him, he's been through some of these things in Athens. And perhaps he was a wee bit down, because we read in chapter 18 of Acts at verse 9, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, and he said, Don't be afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. Why? For I have much people in this city. He was being preserved and kept because God had something big for him to do. It's not an exaggeration to put it like this. The servant of the Lord is utterly invincible, bomb-proof, only as we wholly and fully follow the Lord in the promises he's given to us and the purposes he has for us. As long as there is something incomplete, something yet to be done, that person is secure. This morning, we were looking at that passage in Acts 16 about the Philippian jailer, and I asked the question, why are you here? Why was Paul and Silas in prison? Why are you here? What purpose had they to do there? Asking the same question, why are we here? And I want to ask the question tonight by putting one more word into that question. Why are you still here? Why are you still here? Because God has something for you to do. The preservation of the Lord. But then we move on, not only the person the Lord uses, the promise the Lord gives, the preservation the Lord ensures, but we have, fourthly, the provision the Lord makes. Verse 11. I am as yet as strong this day as I was in the day the Lord sent me. My strength is now as it was then. The provision the Lord made for Caleb. 
Remember the, the holding pattern of the planes we were talking about. Here is Caleb with Joshua. And he sees with the unfolding of these 45 years. He sees a young one. And another one. And another one die. Laid to rest in the sands of the wilderness. And the more often it happens, the question keeps on bubbling up in the mind of Caleb. Why? Why him? Why her? Not me. And the more it went on, the more he was aware of the loving kindness and the mercies and the way in which the Lord kept him safe. Yes, he was conscious of his own old age and the passing of the years in some measure, just the same way as we are ourselves. Remember what Ecclesiastes 12 tells us about, the way in which old age comes on us all. Our strength abates. Our memory fails. The sharpness of our mind is dulled loses its edge and the way in which we have for expressing things fades. But Caleb had yet work to do. Forty-five years back, Hebron, Hebron difficult as it was, it was left to him. That's where he went, we're told in verse chapter 14 and verse 9. Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance. That's what Caleb was going to inherit. Caleb, with the passing of the years, he didn't any better these places, these lands, these giants. They didn't go away in the passing of the 45 years. But he was persuaded that God would provide what he needed for victory and possession to be his. The provision the Lord makes, he never sends anyone out on his work without also providing for them on their need. Brother Andrew, when he was going into China years and years back, had a phrase which has stuck with me ever since. Brother Andrew said this, God's work done God's way will never lack God's support. Whenever God opens a door for us and sends us out, challenging as that might be, we have to be assured from the example and illustration of Caleb that he will provide for us along the way. We never have a store of that strength or resource. We don't have a battery that we can connect up to to use an illustration. Instead, we have a socket we can plug into. We can draw upon the strength and resources of our God. But we're not given a battery to store it up. He giveth more grace as the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength as the labours increase. To added affliction he adds his mercy to multiply trials, he multiplies peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed, ere the day is half done. When we reach the end of our hoarded 
resources. Our Father's full giving has only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting, availing. The Father, both thee and thy Lord, will appear. And then this last verse. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known to man. And out of his infinite resources in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. The provision the Lord makes, the preservation the Lord ensues, the promise and the person. One last thought briefly. We come to verse 12 and the petition that Caleb makes before the Lord. Give me this mountain. Yes, when you go into chapter 15 of this book, you find that's exactly what happened. Chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. And to Caleb the son of Shephuni, he gave a part among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Sheshai, and Ahima, and Talmai, the children of Anak. There you have it fulfilled, the conclusion of it all. He risked, he took the Lord, he trusted in the Lord and the promise the Lord had given him. And he went out, claimed it, and he possessed that land because God was there to help him. When you go through, when you go through the book, this chapter 15, 16, 17 of Joshua, you'll find that time and again the different allocation that was given to the tribes. They always fell short. They were always partial. They could never completely occupy and possess the land that was given to them. That's what's told us time and time and time again. And the only exception is this man, Caleb. Because he wholly, fully followed the Lord. Something was missing from all the rest because this man Caleb had absolute triumph from his utter obedience and his simple faith with his close walk with his God. He was willing to risk obedience to the promise of God and the Lord ensured that he obtained exactly what the Lord had said. Yes, he had to wait a long time but it was fulfilled exactly as the Lord had spoken. What God says, God will do. One more last simple illustration. We've heard it in adverts. It stands true. It does what it says on the tin. It does what it says on the tin. What will God do? God will do exactly what he has said in his promise. And that's what Caleb took 
and took him to his word. There are challenges we're going to meet in our Christian life. And how are we going to meet and overcome these challenges? We're not going to mature our Christian faith through more conferences, bigger and better publications, more organisations, some innovative and changing teaching and working. All of these things only tinker at the edge of the problem. What we need is a closer, gentler, trusting walk with our God. We need in our own heart and in our souls to lean more upon him and to have the spiritual qualities that are mentioned and highlighted for us in the life of Caleb. A simple reliance upon what the Lord has said. And that's what brightly shines out of his life. We too are to hold on to what God has said to us when he said it is entirely in your own diary. But we're called upon to trust and to rely upon the Lord has said and to wait for the perfection of his timing when he will fulfill that promise for us. The encouragement, Joseph and his bones, the encouragement, Caleb and his mountain. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, once again we sit underneath thy word as it comes to us personally where we are and what we're going through. Help us, Lord, to lean ever more so upon thyself, to take what thou hast said in our hands and in our fists to hold these promises up to thyself in the exercise of faith and look to thee, O Lord, to do what thou hast said. Grant to us, Lord, a reverence as we do so. Grant to us a holy boldness as we do so. Grant us, Lord, to walk with thyself, useful in thine hand. And may thy pleasure, may thy pleasure and thy blessing be upon us in days to come. Hear us, Lord, undertake for us and pardon and forgive us our sins and holy privileges and responsibilities. For we ask it in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. 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 We bring our service tonight to a close by singing from Psalm 34. Psalm 34. <clears throat> and we're singing from the beginning of that psalm to the verse Mark 9, five stanzas. God will I bless all times. His praise my mouth shall still express. My soul shall boast in God. The meek shall hear with joyfulness. Extol the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. He heard and did me from all fear deliver. They looked to him and lightened where, not shame where their faces. 
this poor man cried, God heard and saved him from all his distresses. The angel of the Lord encamps and round encompasseth all those about that do him fear and them delivereth. O oh, taste and see that God is good, who trusts in him is blessed. Fear God his saints, none that him fear shall be with want oppressed. 34, 1 through 9, God will I bless all times. God will I bless all times his Yeah. 
And now may grace, mercy and peace from God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest upon and abide with you all. Amen.